Another week begins, and it's the first Monday of February, and the 6th of 2022 so far. There are another two more minutes of daylight in the Charlottesville area today, according to the Almanac, and another two minutes per day for every single remaining day this month. Time has its advantages. So does every installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement, a newsletter and podcast that always has a protractor handy. I'm Sean Tubbs, trying to plot out all of the angles. On today's program, details on how Albemarle's comprehensive planning update will be conducted. Albemarle supervisors are briefed on the urban Rivanna Corridor plan a few days before City Council considers adding it to their comp plan. And another status update on bills in the 2022 Virginia General Assembly. In today's first Patreon-fueled shout-out, WTJU 91.1 FM invites you to tune in all this week for the annual Folk Marathon. It's a round-the-clock celebration of folk music, especially programmed for your listening pleasure. Whether your favorites are Woody Guthrie, Emily Harris, Steve Earle, Ava Cassidy, or Neil Young, when you connect with WTJU's Folk Marathon, you'll find authentic music playing for you. And WTJU amplifies local artists, and this year's Folk Marathon will air live music every day for you. We're excited that the lineup includes Barling and Collins, the Blue Ridge Irish Music School, Mama Tried, and more. Plus, special guest hosts Terry Allard, Charlie Pasterfield, Jamie Dyer, Devin Sproul, Waverly Muller, and many others. Visit WTJU.net to learn more and to make a contribution. As we begin the week, the Omicron surge of COVID-19 continues its gradual decline. The Virginia Department of Health reports a 7-day percent positivity of 19.7%, down from 25.5% a week ago. There are 2,250 patients with COVID in Virginia hospitals, according to the Virginia Healthcare and Hospital Association. That's down from a high of 3,948 in mid-January. Dr. Kosti Safri is the Director of Hospital Epidemiology at the University of Virginia Health System, and he said there is a noted decline, but people should remain vigilant. While we're declining, we still have very high case rates. You know, there's been a lot of um, discussion and anticipation that we'll see a rapid decline, and, you know, we are certainly hoping for that in terms of, um, of cases. Um, there's some concern that maybe we'll see a bit of a plateau or a shoulder, um, um, perhaps due to the emergence of... Um, uh, the Omicron um, subvariant BA2. Today in the Blue Ridge Health District, there are another 102 cases reported today. Dr. Sifri said that if you come into contact with somebody who tells you that they are COVID positive, you should get a test. If you've been exposed to somebody who has COVID, then it's really very important so that we can break these chains of transmission. If you are still looking for a vaccine in the area, visit the Blue Ridge Health District's website to learn more about how you or someone you know might get one. A plan to guide future development on both sides of the Rivanna River has been reviewed by one of the two localities and will go before the other one tonight. The Albemarle Board of Supervisors learned details of the plan at their meeting on February 2nd. Sandy Shackelford is the Director of Planning and Transportation for the Thomas Jefferson Planning District, and she provided a geographic reference. It's the portion of the Ravana River corridor um, that is 4.3 miles long. It spans from Penn Park as the northern terminus to I-64 as the southern terminus. 
Shackelford said the most important priority that came out of the public engagement process was a focus on environmental protection and stewardship of the river. The determination was that among the guiding principles, environmental protection had to be pulled out as the most important to first consider. And only once environmental protection and stewardship was addressed could the other guiding principles be considered to be equally important to each other. Environmental recommendations include identifying sensitive areas, retaining existing natural habitats, and continued improvements on stormwater management in the urban areas of both communities. Charlottesville City Council will take up the matter at their meeting tonight in the form of an amendment to the comprehensive plan. There is a week until crossover day in the Virginia General Assembly. That's when bills from one house must have passed in that house in order to make it to the other one for the potential of passing. Control of the legislature is divided up by each political party, and differences in political philosophy will continue to be revealed. But here's a snapshot as the week begins. A total of 2,466 bills have been introduced, and only one has passed both the House of Delegates and the Senate. That bill would expand eligibility for a program to help farmers and others who make dairy products. The Republican-controlled House has passed 150 of its own bills, and the Senate has passed 203 of its own. Another 221 bills or resolutions have officially failed, 46 have been carried on to next year, and another 2,035 are pending. Let's look at some of those that have passed the House of Delegates and now await their fate in the Senate. A bill that would require school principals to report potential misdemeanors to law enforcement passed on a 59-40 to 40 vote. A bill that would make it easier for school boards to dismiss teachers passed on a 52-47 to 47 vote. A bill that would prohibit localities from requiring contractors to provide benefits passed on a 52-48 to 48 vote. A bill to require political candidates to file campaign finance reports electronically passed 99-1. to 1. A bill altering the requirements for advertisements of public hearings in a newspaper passed 77-23. to 23. A bill allowing the city of Martinsville to hold a referendum on whether to become a town in Henry County passed 82 to 18. And finally, a bill to add all virtual public meetings to a list of permitted government meetings passed 98 to 0. Now, three from the Senate. Augusta County would be authorized to hold another referendum on removing the county seat away from the city of Stanton under certain conditions in SB 23. The bill passed 39 to 1, with the lone vote against coming from Senator Cree Deeds. A bill to require a study of public notice requirements with an eye toward streamlining them passed 40 to 0. And finally, a bill that would prohibit the use of traps to hunt or kill game animals passed 23 to 16. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and in today's second subscriber-fueled shout-out, work continues to identify people whose remains are buried just outside a cemetery in Charlottesville's Penn Park. The Albemarle Charlottesville Historical Society and the Jefferson Madison Regional Library will give an update in a webinar on Wednesday, February 9th, on the forgotten history of Penn Park, unmarked graves of enslaved persons. The panel will discuss the research thus far to identify the unmarked graves of enslaved individuals outside the Gilmer, Craven, and Hotop family cemeteries and the connections that are being made to living descendants. 
Speakers include Charlottesville's historic preservation planner, researchers, and descendants. Visit the library's website at jmrl.org to register. You can also watch the first installment from this past June on the Historical Society's YouTube page. On Thursday morning, staff in Albemarle County's Communications and Public Engagement Office will hold the first in a series of pop-ups on the county's review of the comprehensive plan. The county's planning commission learned about how the update will be conducted last week, including details of a working group that will be appointed to work on the project. But what is a comprehensive plan? Here's Rachel Falkenstein, the county's planning manager. It's a guiding document for growth, development, and investment in the county. And it's used to guide decisions on public infrastructure and funding, also policies and programs, and then review of some development applications that come through in the county. Comprehensive plans have a 20-year horizon, and the last update in Albemarle County was approved in the summer of 2015. Since then, Falkenstein said there's been a lot of change. An example of that is we've had 4,000 new dwelling units since that 2015 plan was completed. And the community's median household income and home values have continued to rise since that time. There's also been adoption of a new housing plan, a new economic development plan, and a climate action plan. The review of the comprehensive plan is known as AC44 and will be done in four phases, with the first currently underway. Here's senior planner Tori Kanalopoulos. So phase one is called planning for growth. And in this phase, we will review, evaluate, and update the current growth management policy through the lenses of equity and climate action and identify options for updating the policy based on best practices and on capacity projections for residential and business growth in the county. Since 1980, the key feature of that growth management policy has been to direct growth into approximately 5% of the county's 726 square miles. To help inform all four phases, the county seeks applicants for a working group and will spend money to ensure participants come from different backgrounds. We want to conduct uh, outreach and collaborate with community members whose perspectives haven't historically been well represented in our processes. We want to think about that equity profile and members of our community who have different lived experiences and maybe the quality of life outcomes have not been uh, as, as well as others in the community. So we want to think about different demographics. Falconstein said the expected time commitment is about 10 hours a month. People who want to apply have until February 28th to do so. Um, so working group members will be compensated for their time and expertise at a rate of the county's equivalent to the county's minimum wage, which is approximately $15 an hour. Virginia Code assigns each locality's planning commission the responsibility of preparing and recommending a comprehensive plan. Commission Chair Karen Firehawk said the roles and responsibilities of the working group need to be clear to avoid disappointment in the future. I think it'll be really important to make sure that the working group understands their role, because I know sometimes in the county there's been you know, various committees that where there's been some confusion on, you know, who's making what recommendations, who's in charge. Um, you know, we've established quite a few committees and um, we don't always do a perfect job of having people understand that this is a brand new group. There is no uh, precedent. So I think just, you know, being really clear with them what their role is. Planning Commissioner Louise Carazana suggested the commission be as involved as possible. If we can be involved earlier, 
uh, and having some dialogue either with staff or perhaps even with with a working group um, at, at key moments, uh, I think that would be much more productive. Falkenstein said each phase of the review would include two work sessions with the planning commission. Uh, one toward the beginning and one toward the end. And so um, hopefully that would, that would um, solve for that dynamic where the planning commission is not saying yes or no to something that the, like the committee or the public um, had spent a lot of time wrestling with. One of the first deliverables of this first phase will be an analysis of the county's capacity to absorb residential and commercial growth within its existing boundaries. Stay tuned in the weeks and months ahead, and do consider that pop-up this Thursday if you're really keen to learn more about the county's vision for the future and how you can get involved. But that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement, and your involvement is almost complete, for there's only the credits, essentially. Uh, this is a program, of course, that is supported by listeners and readers. So if you are a listener who would like to expand that, you can do that in many ways. To learn all of those ways, please visit infoseville.com and click on the Support the Info button. You can also drop me a line by responding to this email, and I'll be happy to explain more about how you can get involved with helping to keep this show going. I very much appreciate the hundreds of people who are doing that. It's really been fantastic. And of course, the week is just getting started, and really, so is this year. I am very glad that the light is coming each lighter and lighter every day. It's making me feel a bit better. I bet it's doing that for many people as well. I will be back tomorrow with another installment of this program. In the meantime, do go back and take a look at the archives. And if you have any questions or comments, please drop me a line. I'm Sean Tubbs, the host of this program, and I am very grateful to be able to do this. Thank you so much. Goodbye. And thanks for listening. <laughs>